Welcome to this APTA podcast. Welcome to this APTA podcast. I'm Sarah Amesbury, physical therapist and practice management specialist. If you follow APTA podcasts or other communications from the association, you know there's a lot going on in a lot of different areas that we all care about regulation, payment, and even our own organization's operations. But regardless of what's happening in any of those areas and the various ups and downs, there's one constant in our lives, the actual practice of physical therapy. And that's why we like to take the occasional opportunity to focus on some recent developments at APTA and elsewhere that can inform and impact your practice. We want to touch on a few activities and issues that you should know about and hopefully explore even further through resources at APTA. To do that, I'm joined by three members of the APTA practice staff who are also physical therapists. Stacey Schwartz, practice specialist, Janine Coleman, practice specialist, Kim Morzinski, career advancement specialist, aka Dr. Dubs. Sorry, Kim, (laughs) I had to throw it in there. Welcome everyone and thank you for being here. I think any PT or PTA would tell you that staying current with practice knowledge is key, but sometimes that's easier said than done. We are all crazy busy these days. Hashtag back to school, not just in the clinic, but in our own personal lives. Now you know about mine. So it's not like we have a lot of time to spend trying to dig up the latest in professional development to strengthen our practices. Luckily, shameless promotion here, APTA can help. The association continually offers opportunities to learn by way of special events, online courses, and other programming. Kim, I wanted to start a discussion with you and some recent happenings. We just completed the second installment in our APTA lecture series, which were live events that are now available as recorded online courses. Can you tell us a little about the background of these lectures? Sure, Sarah. In 2021, APTA launched a lecture series to celebrate its centennial. The series was such a resounding success that we've brought it back this year. It began in July and will continue into November 2022. We've already had two lectures, one on lower extremity tendinopathies um, and one we just had on managing mental health in your patients. And you listened to both. And as a clinician and a physical therapist yourself, what did you learn that you think you can implement in the clinic right away? Yeah, my background is as an outpatient orthopedic sports physical therapist. Um, So I found the lecture on tendinopathies to be extremely relevant and valuable. Our lecturer, Andrew Sprague, out of the University of Pittsburgh, has an extensive background in tendinopathy research. So he provided great clinical pearls and how to manage this type of diagnosis in the clinic from reviewing current research to establishing appropriate loading programs and even treating in-season athletes. Many of the evaluation techniques and treatments I was able to institute into my practice the next day. And then just this past weekend, we had our lecture on physical therapists managing mental health in our patient populations. And this is such an important topic now and the information provided by our speaker, Joe Gages out of the University of Southern California helped to outline how best to respond to patients who may need help in these special areas. He covered interviewing techniques during patient evaluations, and with time so limited in the clinic for the therapist, it was great to get a refresher on techniques that allow us to guide our patients rather than do. We spend so much time doing, and so it was such a great reminder that we need to guide and listen more and sometimes do a little less. That's such a great point. So what's next for the lecture series? 
The lecture series is continuing in October with our multidisciplinary course on treating long COVID as physical therapists. This diagnosis is really new and it's ever evolving and our profession is starting to see um, these patients filter into our clinics now. So we wanna be able to provide PTs with the knowledge on how to best manage these individuals and how to collaborate with other allied health professionals, including occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, um, and even rehab psychologists. We've got a great lineup of speakers for the course who have been working in established long COVID clinics who will be able to share their own experiences and provide recommendations for those who may begin seeing these patients in their own clinics. It's a course we're really excited about and it's taking place virtually on October 28th and 29th. That sounds incredibly helpful and useful. And I think what listeners also need to understand is that ultimately, Recordings of these lectures become part of the APTA Learning Center, which is a huge resource for PTs and PTAs. So what's the latest news from the Learning Center? We've got a lot coming up. Um, in terms of courses, we have a new diversity, equity, and inclusion bundle that we're launching early this fall. The courses are going to be presented by individuals with a variety of backgrounds, ranging from academia to rehab to even the National Park Service. The content is going to be focused on knowledge translation and background on these important topics. It's an expansion of what the Learning Center has already provided in this arena, and we expect it to be very popular among our learners. And we also have some exciting news to share. APTA's Learning Center is going to be moving to a new platform in early 2023. The new platform is going to focus on an improved user experience and will include some features that we think will be very valuable to our members, including CEU tracking, and new learning activity types. It's definitely an exciting time in the Learning Center. That's going to be so helpful adding in those features. Obviously, the Learning Center is a great way to inform practice, but APTA is also deepening knowledge in another important way, and that's through our efforts around the development and revision of clinical practice guidelines, or CPGs, sometimes produced by APTA itself and sometimes developed through our sections and academies. So I wanted to take a few minutes to dive into that. Janine, what's happening in the world of CPGs and APTA right now? Well, new research is being conducted and published all the time, which is great because it helps us provide our patients with the best possible care. But like you said, it's really hard to keep up, especially if you treat a wide variety of patient populations. And that's where clinical practice guidelines come in. We bring together clinical subject matter experts and research methodology experts Together, they assess studies in the literature and on a specific topic, and then they establish best practice guidelines for clinicians. The CPG development process also includes feedback from therapists, patients, and related organizations when appropriate. For example, a CPG about amputee rehab would include feedback from the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. So we have a lot of CPGs on the APTA website and some newer ones from 2022 that you might not have seen yet are management of acute low back pain in adults, hamstring injury in athletes, pelvic girdle pain in the postpartum patient, and breaking news, there's a cancer-related fatigue CPG due out this fall. And then we have two other ones that are nearing completion, telerehabilitation and glenohumeral arthritis. So another really great resource for members is the website for the PT Journal or PTJ. They have CPGs that have been developed by the APTA and also CPGs that have been developed by our physiotherapy friends in other countries. For example, there's a recent CPG on rheumatoid arthritis from the Netherlands. So I definitely encourage everybody to check out that website too. 
And of course, it's not just about putting those CPGs out there. It's also important to provide tools to help with knowledge translation or KT, the actual application of the guidance we get from a CPG. Can you talk a little bit about the knowledge translation piece? So clinical practice guidelines are often about 30 or 40 pages long. So one of the things we've done is develop uh, CPG summaries called CPG Plus. And each summary includes highlights from the guideline, a section that in invites you to check your practice against the current recommendations, and a link to the actual CPG. So some recent CPG Plus summaries are vestibular rehab, Parkinson's disease, osteoporosis, and the updated guideline for venous thromboembolism. And we know that everyone learns differently, so we've started focusing on a, using a variety of ways to get this important information out to our APTA members through podcasts, fact sheets, digital pocket guides, and tools like that. The APTA will also host a knowledge translation workshop this summer. So if you have an idea for a CPG topic or you'd like to become more involved in the CPG development process or the knowledge translation process, please reach out to your section or academy, or you can also email uh, practice at APTA.org. That's so helpful. And at the same time, the APTA practice unit is also focused on helping with everyday clinical practice and clinical flow. I was hoping you could share a little bit of insight on what's happening in that area. Yeah, um, some of the different sections, academies, and special task forces have recently recommended use of specific screening tools and outcome measures for certain conditions. And on the APTA website, we have a large collection of tests and measure summaries, which give you a quick reference point for things like how to access the test, what are the benchmark values for different patient populations, and the minimal clinically important difference, and so on. We're currently in the process of enhancing the search function on that website to improve member access to tests that they already know about, as well as increase knowledge about some lesser known tools that might be beneficial for your practice. Thanks, Janine. The bottom line here is that practice resources continue to grow and we will continue to make them as accessible as possible for our members. We're going to take a break now, but before we do, I just wanna remind everyone that if they wanna keep up with the latest news from APTA, Please be sure to check out our weekly all-member email that includes the entire range of news, new resources, and other information that we're sharing. It's a free member benefit that comes direct to your inbox. And if you really want to zero in on practice-related news and information, sign up for the APTA Evidence and Care Friday Focus e-news feed. That comes to you on the first Friday of every month and compiles the news and resources we've been sharing all in one place. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll be looking at two issues that have been getting a lot of attention, digital healthcare and the importance of provider self-care. We're back and thanks for staying on. So in the first part of this podcast, we talked about keeping up with evidence-based guidance on existing areas of practice. That's critical. But even as that's happening, there are other areas or maybe modes is a better word that continue to emerge. I'm talking here about the concept of digital health and specifically digital physical therapy. This isn't exactly a brand new concept, of course, but it has been getting an increased attention in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic and the massive shift we've seen toward remote care. Stacy, I wanted to turn to you because I think before we can think about the profession's approach to this space, we need to understand what it is we're really talking about. So let's start with the basics. What is digital health? Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. The FDA defines digital health 
as something that includes mobile health, health information technology, wearable devices, telehealth and telemedicine, medical applications, and artificial intelligence that enhance healthcare delivery for the individual. Digital health technologies use computing platforms, connectivity, software, and sensors for healthcare and related uses. So then would you say that telehealth is the same thing as digital health? Well, not exactly. It's probably more appropriate to say that telehealth falls within the umbrella of digital health. Telehealth, sometimes called telemedicine, lets your healthcare practitioner provide care for you without an in-person office visit. It's done primarily online with internet access on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. So there's several options for telehealth care. Some of the most common include speaking with your healthcare provider over the phone using video chat, sending and receiving messages from your healthcare provider, like many people do through a portal, or using remote monitoring so your healthcare provider can check on you at home. For example, you might use a device to gather your vital signs and help your healthcare provider stay informed on your progress. So it can be synchronous, like a live visit online with your doctor, or asynchronous, like a message on your patient portal. Thanks, Stacy. With that distinction in mind, what's APTA doing in this space? So we've actually got a lot going on in the digital health space, but there are four things I think our listeners should really be aware of. So first, Janine had mentioned earlier about the telehealth clinical practice guideline coming out, and that'll probably be available in late 2023 or early 2024. Now, congressionally, there's APTA-led legislation called the Expanded Telehealth Access Act, and that would add PTs and PTAs as permanent authorized providers of telehealth under Medicare. As of right now, PT-based telehealth would only be covered until the end of the current public health emergency, the PHE. However, we recently scored a victory in terms of having language added that would require Medicare coverage for PT and PTA services via telehealth for 151 days past the end of the PHE, so about five months. And there's a recent bill, it's called the Advancing Telehealth Beyond COVID-19 Act, passed the House in July. And that bill would give Medicare coverage for PT-based telehealth through December 31st, 2024, regardless of the PHE, but it has not yet been taken up in the Senate. So while we're happy about the 151-day extension, we'd really like a longer extension and eventually permanent Medicare coverage for physical therapy via telehealth. Third, we're in the process of creating a digital health framework to analyze the opportunities, concerns, applications, and education in that space, as well as how to best integrate digital health into one's practice. Part of creating this framework included an APTA-hosted meeting with a variety of digital health companies in order to discuss how to collaborate to make digital healthcare a high-quality, high-value option for physical therapy. In that meeting, the APTA asked all company attendees to sign a pledge to ensure that digital health platforms using physical therapy involve only licensed PTs and PTAs as providers for physical therapy services. The companies in attendance were receptive to this request and the APTA continues to work with them to improve access to PT treatment. And the last thing I wanna inform listeners about is an excellent telehealth course on the Learning Center that covers pretty much all you could wanna know as a PT. I definitely recommend taking that course if you plan on incorporating telehealth into your practice at any point, or even if you're just curious to know more about the topic, it's incredibly comprehensive. Thanks, Stacey. 
This is clearly a subject that we'll all need to continue to follow closely. Finally, before we wrap up this podcast, we wanted to touch on something that can be easy to forget as a practitioner who's doing your very best to keep up with your patient's needs and trying to stay up to speed with the research. At the end of the day, we are all part of a larger professional community. That's an important concept, and we should not only feel that sense of community, but actually engage with it. And of course, part of that community building is about making sure we all stay healthy, both physically and emotionally. That's what APTA's Fit for Practice initiative is all about. And we have Stacy here to tell us more about it. Stacy, can you give us a little background on what Fit for Practice is, how it started, and where it is now? Absolutely. The Fit for Practice initiative was created as a well to protect the well-being of our PTs and PTAs in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Fit for Practice provides resources for clinicians to reflect, fortify, recover, and remain resilient as they move forward into a post-pandemic workplace. There are over 120 resources free to both APT members and non-members to help clinicians focus on their physical, emotional, mental, and practice health. These resources will be up for at least the next six months. You can find them at apta.org slash fit dash for dash practice. Thanks so much. I remember back in May of this year, Drew Contreras, who's APTA's Vice President of Clinical Integration and Innovation, wrote a blog post about provider mental health. And in it, he quoted Jeffrey Kuhlman, who was President Obama's physician, whose message to providers was, quote, you can't care if you're not there, end quote. Basically, it's the idea that our own self-care is helping to ensure that we provide the best care to patients and clients. We really do owe it to ourselves, to them, to our families and our communities to take care of ourselves. So to wrap it up, thank you, Kim, Janine, and Stacy, for helping us touch base with practice happenings at APTA. And for listeners, be sure to visit APTA.org, where you'll find more resources and all the topics we talked about today. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. It's at APTA Tweets. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting APTA.org backslash podcasts. I'm Sarah Amesbury, and thanks for listening. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.